Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. Glad we get to uh, spend this time together today. Uh, we do exist here at Faith Christian for one reason, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. If there's some way we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus, or to, to maybe your first step as you choose to follow Jesus, we would love to walk with you on that journey. Let us know how we can uh, help you. Uh, help you uh, get your questions answered about what that means to follow Jesus. We would love uh, to be a part of that journey with you. Uh, just a couple things by way of announcement. I want to let you know there's some just amazing things happening in our faith kids and faith student ministries right now. Faith kids, that's our uh, preschool and elementary age. They're down there right now. Just There's boxes, there's stuff. There's going to be loud down there. They're going to have a, a great time today. Our faith student, a lot of great things happen in the faith student ministry as well. That's our middle school and high school group. Uh, uh, high school age ministry. Uh, they meet tonight, uh, 6 o'clock, 6 to 7.30 is our middle school and high school group. Uh, they've got a lot of things planned, uh, both tonight, but as we move into the summer, uh, there's a lot of special things uh, beginning to happen. It's hard to believe it's May already, uh, and school's about out, but we've got a lot of wonderful things planned for, uh, for faith students, faith kids, and uh, for, for even for us grown-ups, too, this summer uh, that we hope that you'll be a part of. One of the things we need to let you know that's going to happen this summer is we're going to go to our Summer Together schedule. Uh, we've done this for several years now, and in the summer, instead of meeting in two services, we're going to meet in one service, and we're going to combine the two service times and meet at 10 o'clock all summer long. That'll begin on Sunday, May 29th. That's Memorial Day weekend, and that'll just kind of travel all the way through the summer, so uh, adjust your your Sunday morning alarms. Um, just got to get up a little early, 10.30. I know it's hard. 9 o'clock, they're mad because they, they're, they're ready to be done by 10 o'clock, but they'll, they'll be all right. Uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be worshiping this summer, one service only, all summer long, beginning Memorial Day weekend at 10 a.m. And so we'll talk more about that as we get uh, get closer to it, but as this month rolls along, we'll let you know that's coming uh, down the kind of down the pike, uh, what's going to happen this summer. Also, want to mention to you, just as a reminder, that next Sunday is Mother's Day. Um, <clears throat> that's a hint first for all the guys and husbands and dads in the room that don't forget to honor your wife or your mother uh, next week uh, but also on Mother's Day weekend uh, one of our traditions here is to uh, have a baby and child dedication service and that's happening again this year and if you haven't yet signed up you'd like to participate in that uh, please see me after the service see Kara our children's minister she's downstairs with the kids right now uh, we would love to let you know how you can participate next Sunday morning during the 10:30 service in that baby and child dedication service since um, Mother's Day is next week, uh, I thought maybe this month would be a great month for us as, as, in our teaching time on Sunday mornings uh, to kind of kick off a new series. We're going to talk this month about relationships. Particularly, we're going to talk about families and marriages and things like that. But the, the, the information we're going to talk about this month is we, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to examine some, some principles from the Bible about how relationships work best. And uh, I just want to mention this to you as we get started. These principles, we're going to talk, talk about them in context of family, of parenting, um, of being a husband or a wife. Uh, but these principles tie into every single relationship that we have, whether it's a coworker, whether it's the boss, whether it's our, our adult children, whether it's our, our aging parents, whether it's uh, our neighbor, our friends, uh, the circle of people we spend time with. Um, every single one of these relationships are important to us, and these principles we're going to examine from Scripture over the next four weeks uh, will apply to every single relationship that you're on. I think it's important for us to look at Scripture. What does Scripture have to say about the practical parts of life, too, about how we can live our best life as we follow Jesus? 
Here's the thing I know about all of us when it comes to relationships. We all want to have healthy relationships. We want to have great relationships. You want to have a great marriage. You want to have a great relationship with your kids, whether your kids are, are young and in elementary school or they're reaching in that high school years or you're an empty nester and your, parent, or your kids are grown. We want to have great relationships with our kids. We want to have great relationships. To the, we want to get to the point in our lives where we have a great relationship with our neighbors, a great relationship with the circle of friends that we do life with, a, a great relationship with the people we work with. So how do we get a grip on the, these relationships in our life. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about these next several weeks. And I know for a lot of us, when we think about relationships, when we think about that, the concept of getting a grip on the relationships in our lives, the first thing or the kind of grip we want to get on most of the people that we have a relationship with looks like this. Um, yeah, that's the relationship we're all, the, the grip we're all after in our relationships. Because you just want to like, just choke somebody until they do what you want them to do, right? Until they fix themselves and fix the relationship. So over the course of the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is, is reading and looking at and talking about some solid biblical principles for the relationships in our lives. Again, we all want to have better relationships. You want to have a better relationship with your kids. We just don't know how to do it. We want to have a better relationship with our spouses. We, sometimes we don't know how to do it. We want to have better relationships in the neighborhood or with our kids' teachers or with the coaches or with our coworkers, with our friends. We just don't know how to do it. And so to begin this conversation, this month-long conversation, I want to begin with a principle that's going to address an issue that is inevitable in every single relationship. And it kind of goes back to that picture of Barton Homer Simpson. And the issue is conflict. We're going to start there. What do we, how do we handle conflict? Back in the 80s, Pat Benatar sang a great song. She said, she sang, love is a battlefield. And some of you know what that feels like. Because that's what your marriage is like or was like. So let me just ask you this. Who is it in your world that when it comes to, to the relationship you're in with this person, the two of you are like oil and water? You just don't click. It's just a mess. You, 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 you just, this person always seems to bring conflict. Let me ask it like this. Let me give you an, an equation. You plus who equals conflict. Now just think about that for a minute. You plus who equals conflict. Is it sometimes your spouse? Is it sometimes one of your kids? Is it sometimes all of your kids? Is it uh, maybe, maybe it's an ex-spouse? Maybe it's a coworker or a client or your boss? Maybe it's a neighbor or a teacher or a family member. Somebody in your world who just seems to always bring about conflict. Well, here's what I know about conflict. Here's what you already know about conflict. It's going to happen. Conflict is, is something we all deal with. You're either in conflict or you're going to be in conflict. It's going to happen. And so whether it's your marriage or your relationship with your kids or with your parents or with the boss or with your coworker or with the coach or whomever, conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. So let's look at scripture today and see if we can't find a better way to deal with, to handle conflict. Because let's be honest, <clears throat> the way most of us have been dealing with conflict hasn't been working very well. So let's see if we could maybe change the question when it comes to conflict. So instead of asking, this is what we've tried to do, instead of asking, how do I get out of it? Um, how do I win the conflict? Or how do I avoid conflict altogether? What if we ask this question when it comes to conflict instead? The question is, what is the goal of conflict? 
you, you, to, to accomplish anything great, you've got to have an end in sight. You've got to know where you're going. So what is the goal of conflict? What's the right goal when it comes to conflict? Because every time conflict arises, you have to ask yourself, what's the objective here? What's my end game in this conflict? Am I just trying to win? Am I just trying to prove my point no matter how many doors I got to knock down to get it done? Am I just trying to get out of this conflict as quickly as possible? Is there a bigger goal to conflict? Because I believe conflict can be healthy. Kind of like the, the muscles when you go to the gym. I've heard, I've never been. But when you go to the gym and you lift a weight, it tears the muscle down, but it makes you stronger. When we resolve, learn to resolve conflict healthy, in a healthy way, it does the same thing. It can make our relationships stronger, just like that muscle breaking down. So I think this is where the Bible is so, so helpful for us. Because the Bible doesn't just speak in these vague generalities. The Bible gives us specific ways on how we can actually live out these teachings of Jesus and live a better life when we do it. And so to get us started, um, I want us to look in the New Testament because the Apostle Paul, writing to a group of Christians, telling them how to live out the teachings of Jesus, Paul gives us some great insights on this question of what is the goal of conflict. Listen to what he tells us the goal of conflict should be. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 18. This is the kind of verse you need to print out and put on the mirror so you see it every morning before you go to work. Ready? Here's, here's what Paul says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All right, let me try to just kind of break this, this verse down, phrase at a time, and let's get our minds wrapped around this. If it is possible... In other words, if there is a remote possibility, if there's the slightest chance, kind of like the movie Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance, right? One in a million chance. If there's one in a million chance, you go for it. If it's possible, you go for it. Where do we go? As far as. As far as you need to go. As far as you need to go. Not just the approach of... <laughs> They know where to find me when they're ready to apologize. Not just the approach of, they know how to get a hold of me if they want to make amends. Not the approach of, they'll get over, just give them some time. Don't you worry about them. I sent them an email, blew it off, I made a little joke. It's fine, they'll get over it. They should be fine by now. No, 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 no. Paul says, <clears throat> if it is possible for you to fix things, you go as far as possible, as far as, he says, as far as it depends on you. In other words, we don't just assume it's somebody else's problem. We don't just leave the ball in their court. We don't just say, oh, I'll apologize to them when they come and apologize to me. The goal of conflict is for peace to come out of it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now this phrase, at peace, this is not, the picture here is not everybody just like sitting around a fire with a guitar singing kumbaya, you know, and this, this is not, that's not what we're talking about, peace. This is, this does not mean, this is important, this does not mean that you are able to control someone else's feelings or emotions. This does not mean that you have to apologize and apologize and apologize and apologize and maybe they're finally happy again. That's not what we're talking about here. What he's saying is, as far as your responsibility goes, you do everything that it takes to bring about peace because when you do that you are able to have peace about the situation even if you can't have peace in the situation because here's the truth there are some people 
who will never forgive you. There may be some people you'll never forgive. There are some people who will not accept your apology no matter how many times you apologize. There are some people who won't let you off the hook. There are some people who will not get over it. Paul is not saying here, he is not saying as far as it depends on you, make sure they get over it. That's not where we're going. And Paul is not saying as far as it depends on you, you fix their problems and you make them happy again. That's not what he's saying. He says, you do what it takes to get to peace, which means no more battle. You get to the point where you can have peace about it even if there can't be peace in it. And don't worry, I already know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Larry, that's ridiculous. We can't do that. There's no way. There's no way that's even possible. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how that impacted me, and I'm still upset about it. No, no, here's what Paul's saying. The goal of conflict is peace. It's peace at least peace about it, if not peace in it. So how do we do that? Let me tell you, it's not easy. See, the problem is, most of our efforts in conflict, most of our efforts usually leave us in pieces instead of bringing about peace. And that's why I believe that the words of Jesus are so important to us. Because your methods of dealing with conflict and my methods of dealing with conflict pale in comparison to the wisdom of Jesus. And Jesus actually tells us what to do if somebody wrongs you. And Jesus actually tells us what to do if we wrong someone else. And he walks us through step by step our responsibility to be able to get to the goal of peace. So think about this. That equation I gave you a minute ago, you plus who equals conflict. You plus who, you thought of somebody, didn't you? I know I did. We all thought of somebody. So is your method of conflict resolution working right now? Probably not, because that person is still on your mind. So what if? What if we decide to open our minds for just a minute and ask ourselves, what if we took Jesus' advice on how to deal with conflict? Now, before we read what Jesus has to say, I need to offer a bit of a disclaimer. I don't do this very often. But I, 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 need to, I, I need to say this before we read what Jesus has to say, because I think this is really important. For those of you in the room, those of you watching online right now, those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus, you're curious, you're asking questions, you're, you're wondering about Jesus, you're still checking things out, listen, if that's you, we love that you're here, bring us your question, bring your questions, bring your, your curiosities about who Jesus is, about what God is. We, don't, we probably don't even have all the answers, but we'd love to walk with you through those, to, to, towards those answers. If that's you, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, what I'm about to read, these words of Jesus that I'm about to read, if you don't yet follow Jesus, this is optional for you. You don't have to do this. You can listen, you can say, and you may listen and go, <laughs> that's crazy talk, no one can ever do that, but I'll kind of watch, this might be fun, let's see where this goes. So pay attention, listen to what Jesus has to say, but this, if you don't yet follow Jesus, this is optional. However, for the rest of us, for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, this is mandatory. 
This is what Jesus says. This is how we're supposed to live. This is what Jesus says, what we're supposed to do in times of conflict when it comes to managing conflict in our relationships. These are Jesus' words. If we follow him, this is what we're supposed to do. So first, we're going to start with Jesus is going to talk about what do we do when somebody has wronged you? You're the victim. When someone has wronged you, you're upset, you're hurt, you're broken, they've wronged you, how do you handle that? Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. <clears throat> if your brother or sister has sinned against you, stop right there. The key word in this phrase is sinned. This is not if your brother or sister annoys you. This is not if your brother or sister drives too slow in the car in front of you with a get out of the way. This is not that. This is not if your brother or sister has really poor email etiquette or never returned a text. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about annoyances here. This is sinned against you, lied, cheated, stolen, hurt you, abused you. If someone has done that to you, that's a sin. That's what we're talking about here. That's what has to be dealt with. Jesus says, if your brother or sister has sinned against you, go. Go and point out the offense just between the two of you. Jesus says, I want you to go. Not wait. Not sit there in silence and hope they figure it out. Not quietly hold a grudge till they get their act together. Jesus says, I want you to go to them. To them, not to everybody. Not to Facebook. Let your thumbs do the talking. No, no. Go to them just between the two of you and walk them through exactly what happened. And you, just between the two of you, you explain to them how what they did made you feel. Listen, they may not ask for your forgiveness. They may not admit it. They may not apologize. They may not own it. But, and here's what Jesus is getting at, but you will have a chance to be at peace with it because you did your part go to that person and talk to them jesus comes right out here with, with, with dealing with conflict and says the first thing i want you to do if it's somebody else's fault somebody else has wronged you i want you to go directly to them so let me just ask you who do you need to go to who do you need? You've, you've got somebody in mind you know what they did. You know how they've hurt you, but you've been carrying it around like a huge boulder on your back for months or years or decades. And you have the ability to have peace about the situation, even if there's not peace in the situation, because you can do your part. And Jesus says, when you take this step of going, something supernatural is gonna happen in your life, even if they don't ask for your forgiveness, because you've dealt with it. And then you can stop letting them and the situation take up space in your mind and in your life. It will free you from that burden. Go to them. Go to that person and deal with it. All right, that's what Jesus says when someone's done wrong to us. But what about, I'm going to be gentle here, what about if the shoe's on the other foot? What about when it comes to people that you have wronged? Okay, okay, I mean, that's nobody in this room. That this part of the sermon is for first service, right? 9 o'clock service, this is for them. 10.30, no, no one's done this right. But, okay, hypothetically, right? You're asking for a friend. What if, what if, you're, what are you supposed to do then? Well, in my, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going to tell us what to do. And listen, it sounds very, very similar to what we just read. But in this case, he's talking about someone that you have wronged. He says this, Matthew 5, verse 23. Therefore, 
if you are offering your gift at the altar, we've got to set the scene here. So we go to church weekly in, in our culture. In this culture, back then, they went to church once a year. It was a big, big deal to go to Jerusalem, to go to the altar that's called Passover, was this event where they would bring an animal to be slaughtered, to be sacrificed on behalf of their sin. It was their sacrifice on behalf of their sin. They did this one time a year, and that's the only time it happened. So, so you can imagine how important this day is when you bring your gift to the altar, your sacrifice to the altar. You've got 364 days of sin racked up against them. They've got to get to this altar, get that animal killed so they can have a spotless record, be forgiven before God so they can be clean. This is a big moment in, in this ancient culture. So Jesus says, he's setting the scene to these listeners. If you're on your way to the altar, Passover, big event, you're on your way to give your gift, everybody listening to Jesus in this moment would have been leaning on, yeah, yeah, big moment, big moment, big deal, once a year, don't want to mess this up, don't mess this up. And then Jesus goes on and says, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. In that moment, right there, you're just kind of on your way to the altar. You've, you've been dragging this lamb through town, you've been dragging it through the temple, and it hits you. Oh, man, I forgot about that guy. Oh, man, that business deal we did, oh, I kind of cheated him. I, I kind of, st I didn't, well, I stole money from him. We, I did him wrong on that deal, and, and, boy, that's probably why he never returns my calls, and why he keeps avoiding me, and talks back, and, and that, that's it. Now, I get it. I've wronged him, and I, I never owned up to it. In that moment, Jesus says, you're bringing your gift to the altar. You recognize and remember what you have done wrong. Here's what Jesus says. Leave your gift there, not on the altar, in front of the altar. And this is where everybody in Jesus' audience would have gone, wait, 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 what? Jesus, we've been waiting 365 days to offer this, to get to this moment, to offer this sacrifice, and you're there with the animal, you've drug it up to the altar to pay for your sin, and you remember that you did somebody else wrong. Jesus, wouldn't you just go ahead and leave the gift on the altar, take care of all that, get the sacrifice done, and then go and take care of the relationship. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how I want you to do it. Nope, that's not how you do it. You leave your gift in front of the altar, don't make the gift, and you go. That's the same word he used in the other situation, wasn't it? And you go. In other words, you fix the relationship with each other first. You fix it. You fix it before you come and fix your relationship with God. Because God is more gracious and more forgiving and more patient than we are. So God says, I can wait a minute. I'll still be here. You go take care of that. Because if you don't take care of the horizontal relationships, you're going to bring all of that junk into the vertical relationship, and you're going to poison our relationship with all that junk from your horizontal relationships. So you go and make amends with the person you have wronged. You be the first to go. He continued, finishes the verse like this. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come, offer your gift. That word reconciled means to make things right. It doesn't mean that they're going to be happy forever. It doesn't mean that you have to take care of their feelings. It means that you desire to make the goal to be at peace. That you're going to be at peace about the situation, even if you can't be at peace in the situation. As far as it depends on you, you can live at peace. So first go and be reconciled to them. In other words, let me just summarize this whole thing. When someone has wronged you, you go. And when you've wronged somebody else, 
you go. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. Well, but somebody, should, somebody should be coming to me. Somebody should be coming here. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are following the one who died for us. The one, if there's anybody who could say, I had some rights that I gave up, it's him. And we follow his example, we follow his lead, and we go. Now, I know. I know this is crazy. I know this seems like there's no way I could do this. But just consider, the way we've been dealing with conflict so far has only brought us more conflict and more misery. So what if, what if we actually took Jesus' advice and we deal with the relationships in our life, we decided to go ahead and deal with it first. We become the initiators of peace. Don't you think that might change the dynamics of the relationship? So here's my question for you as we close. Who do you need to go to? Who do you need to go to? Who needs a phone call from you? Who needs a text message from you this afternoon? An invitation for coffee sometime this week? Who needs a letter for you to say, I, I, I've got to say something to you so that we can move on beyond this? Who is that? Listen, I believe Jesus' principles to be true in every situation. And healing comes. Healing comes when we decide to be the initiator of peace and we're able to find peace about the situation even if we can't find peace in the situation. Even if they don't accept our apology. Even if they don't apologize back. We can still find peace as far as it depends on us. Let me pray for you. For our communion team, we'll go ahead and take their places and get ready to the service. <clears throat> As you bow your head and close your eyes, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you a moment to start the prayer and then I'll finish it. Just give you a moment to silently pray where you sit this morning. And pray just for a minute. Pray for the relationship that you need to deal with today. Because some of you probably have, 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 need to have a conversation this week. You've been carrying this, this conflict around with you for months or weeks or decades now. And you need to have a conversation with somebody this week. So just would you pray for that person and for that rela relationship? You start the prayer silently where you sit. I'll, I'll finish the prayer in just a moment. God, there are some of us in the room, some of us watching this broadcast today that we, we need to make a phone call. We need to set up a coffee or some lunch. We, we need to make things right. So God, I pray for courage, for strength, and for an opportunity that we could create a space, a moment, even this week, that we might do that, and that you would give us the strength to initiate peace. God, I thank you that you are a God of peace. And as the God of peace, you are also the best example and the chief when it comes to this idea of reconciliation that you reconciled us to you through the death of your son that final sacrifice on the cross and, and now because of that now we can have forgiveness and freedom because of that <clears throat> God I thank you that, that grace and mercy that changes our lives and it changes our relationship with you and I thank you that that grace and that mercy has the potential and has the power to change our relationships with each other 
So now as we come to our time of communion, we, we focus and remember the work that you did when you came to reconcile us to you through the body and the blood of Jesus. And we celebrate that in this time of communion. We pray it in his name. Amen.